This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, let's go. All right, Parshmini Parik Yudal Good Gimel. We're going to talk about the the, the birds. That's Elit Shaksmin Oak. These are the things that are disgusting from the birds. You can't eat them. Sheketem, they're totally disgusting to you. As a Nesher, the Paris, and the Oznia. Now I'm going to translate them based on the Living Torah on uh, Ravarya Kaplan. He says the eagle, the Asafraj, which we'll see is the bearded vulture, and the osprey. So the Barbanel says that the Simanitara of the fish were put next to the Simanitara of animals because both have two Simanitara. The animals obviously with the chewing the cud and the split hooves fish also have they have uh, uh, you know the scales and the fins right but birds have no simanitara in the Torah although Chazal tell us there are certain simanim they can't be dores and they have a, a corcovano niklaf they have this like type of thing that folds over and that you can the gizzard thing that comes out they have a crop something else and an extra finger on their arms nonetheless none of that is listed in the Torah itself and therefore because they're not listed right that's why we don't put them next to the animals themselves it could be that the reason why they're not listed is because three of them maybe even four of them, I don't know, it cannot be seen from the outside of the body itself. By animals, you can see if they're chewing their cud because they're actually chewing from the outside of the body. You can see their split hooves. By fish, you can see the fins, you can see the scales. But by birds, you'd have to open up the bird in order to see if it has Korkovano Nikolov, if it has the crop, the zuffic. And you'd also, for the extra finger, you'd have to like check out the inside. I don't think you can see it from the regular wings. You'd have to actually cut it down. So that's why we don't mention whatsoever. The birds are last for that reason. The, the, after this comes the what's it called the locusts and the locusts don't have any simonim at all it's just certain ones are kosher and that's that that's why they're last the word yeachelu is an interesting one as well we're not going to concentrate on it but Rosh says it's a warning not to feed these birds even to young children lo yeachelu means not only you can't eat them you can't feed them to anybody either the funny thing is that it's still muturbana. So if you want to give it to your dog or if you want to give it to a non-Jew, you're allowed to, right? You're just not allowed to feed it to your children themselves. It can't be through your hand. It's such an interesting little halacha. And then again, I'm not concentrating on that because that's a whole halacha and a, it's based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin. That's different, yeah. All Everything. Thing normally it would be, children? normally it would be us to do, right. And uh, the problem is that this is something that is muturbana and yet can't be fed over to the children. But, you, but you're, I thought you're obligated to feed all your trapists to like the dog or something. Right, dog or a non-Jew. So you can get hana from trapists. Right, it is normally mutter, it depends on the available versus trapa. But yes, yeah, 100%. There, there, there are certain things that you're allowed to give to a non-Jew and certain things you can't. So weird. It's a very, very weird Gemara. There's a lot on it. There's a whole thing in the, in the Chavatzel's Hesharon. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going into this. Real chaos. Also says you're not high for eating certain parts of the bird, such as the beak, its bones, its feathers, and its wings. I'm not sure if there's an issue to on it. And again, I didn't want to check into it. There's so many things here that you could go into that I was like, all right, I'm not going to do it. The Torah Squana talks about this well. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily remember there's meat and then there's meat, but I don't know if anybody makes anything out of the beak of an akosher animal anyway, of an akosher bird or the, you know, the, 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 what's it called? I guess in theory, you could make the, what's it called? The jelly from the feet, you the bird like feet. Jelly? Yeah. You could eat the beak of a non-kosher bird. I, 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 medial rice, it's mutter. 
The problem was Midorabanan, I'm not sure. Can you, and I didn't look into it, honestly. You can honestly. get Hanuk. Like, you can make, like, a tool out of it. You can get Hanuk for sure. For sure you can like get Hanuk from Yeah, for feather. sure you can get Hanuk from that. That shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. You find a peacock, fe- peacock feather and you want to put it in your hat or something. That's yeah. awesome. A little weird, but awesome. So the Ramban says that only these birds are problematic and the birds that are mentioned with the word min. Technically, there are 24 of them altogether. 19 of them, possibly 20, are mentioned in Parsha Shemini. Add on the ones in Parsha Shemini. Hey, there's 24 altogether. And then there's the minam, right? Where the da'a and the ayah and the orev mentions other t- creatures that are like that. And the puzzle doesn't define it, right? It doesn't define what exactly the simonim of a kosher bird is not. That shows that only these animals are problematic and nothing else. However, as we said before, Chazal mentioned a chul in Daphne Testament Aleph that there are four simonim of a kosher birds, and the biggest of the four is Drisa. And says the Ramban, that's the Iker. A bird cannot be a predatory bird. The definition of this word, of Drisa, means that it chases after other birds to catch them alive and tears them apart with their talons. That's what it means. That's what she says. The reason the Torah doesn't want to see these birds, says the Ramban, is because that means that the birds are cruel and their bodies, including their blood and their meat, is considered coarse and terrible, which causes those who eat it to become coarse and cruel like those birds. These are skulos, he says, things that we do not understand regarding all different types of foods. And this shows us that we have to be careful about anything and everything that we eat. He goes on about other kosher and not kosher foods. He speaks about chazir and whatever it is, because we should know that intaking food into our bodies does affect us and it can often be in a bad way. And therefore, we don't eat these non-kosher birds. He said the Ramban goes on further to say that every single bird that is considered predatory is listed on this list. This is an exhaustive list of 24 birds. And again, the Minehem and Minehu and Mina is also mentioned over here. But this is an exhaustive list. Therefore, if you want to know, right, if a certain bird does not, if you happen to know, I should say, that a certain bird does not eat any other animal, and you know it for a fact, it's absolutely mutter to eat. It would be mutter. The only exception, right, would be on our list, would be the Paris and the Osnia, which, according to Chazal, in some way, shape, or form, we're not sure exactly what it is, that might not be predatory, but it's still forbidden, right? Perhaps the reason for that is because it lives in harsh areas, it causes it to be cruel, even though it's in, you know, it's because it's in a desert and whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. Another point he makes, which is super interesting. So again, if you know that a certain bird is not predatory, he says, you know it, then it should be mutter. And another point is, if you happen to find a bird that has an extra finger, contains a crop, or has a gizzard peel, that's the Korkovano Niklaf, right? Then you should know that it's certainly not a predatory bird because only predatory birds have those things and therefore it's sour. Only two is not enough. A raven has that. Certainly not just one, right? You need all three of those. If you know that all three of those are true, has an extra finger, contains a crop, and has a gizzard peel, you should be okay. This idea is repeated by the tour, the Moshe Zakane, and the Rabbeinu Bahaya. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, it depends on how you look at it, we nowadays have a Mesorah for what allows us to be able to eat birds. And that happens to be a machlokus between Rashi, who Rashi says, you cannot tell me that it's not a predatory bird. I'm sorry for the double negative, but you can't tell me that it's not a predatory bird unless you have a Mesorah saying it's not a predatory bird. You wouldn't be able to do so otherwise. And although most people don't hold like him, they hold like the Rambi, who is one of the Balitosos, who argues with Rashi, that says, if you know it's not a predatory bird, that's good enough. And therefore the Simonim are only there for the predatory birds. Such a crazy machlokas, right? Nonetheless, the Ramal holds like Rashi. It seems that the Minigin Claudius rolls told like Rashi. Yes, the turkey is a big kasha, but the turkey happened to be matured before the Ramah paskin like Rashi, which is super interesting. Shulchan Aruch doesn't mention a thing about Rashi's sheet of needing Mesora, and turkey was matured by the year 1515 to the year 1540, and the 
Rama wrote his parish somewhere around the 1540s, 1550, which is super cool. So it happens to be that Turkey was grandfathered in before anything happened. I don't know what happened. Ostrich is probably the Bassiano, but we're not going to get into that. You know, there are certain other birds. We don't know. We don't know what's considered technically predatory, although you're right. They don't grab what they're telling. The Ramban's definition wouldn't apply to it, but other definitions might apply. And ostriches will eat everything. They're, they are considered omnivorous. So even though... Chickens they, are too. Uh, chickens, it, it depends. Because chickens nowadays that are domestic are weird. <laughs> they're not the original birds. What the original birds are like, we have no idea. What are wild turkeys like? That that's a little bit of a question also. What exactly were the wild turkeys like originally? I don't know. But in the end it doesn't matter. We need a Minnesota and we have the birds that we have and that's that. Ramosha in Korum sits there and wonders about this Ramban. This is Ramosha's thing. Ramosha Feinstein has this all the time about the Ramban. He does not understand why the Ramban says certain things. And over here, he's like, I don't understand this. This is not a Chazal anywhere. Anything he just said, that if you eat a, a bird, that's going to make you cruel because you're going to have its meat, you're going to become like it. He said, that's not written anywhere. That's not brought by Rashi anywhere. That's not a Mimer Chazal that you could say like, oh, that's true. Like, we don't have that from anywhere. It's not like we see other nations becoming more cruel because they eat it. I'm sorry? Maybe, but the Ramban doesn't say it. He doesn't say it anywhere. And that's, again, the Ramosha is going to say, like, if it's a Kabbalistic concept, he'll say, al-derech asod, or al-derech ha-emes. That's the way the Ramban does everything. He's saying this in Pshat, and it's something not mentioned by Chazal anywhere, not mentioned by the earlier Rishonim anywhere. The Ramban seems to have made it up. That's the strangest thing in the world. Why would you bring it up? And again, we don't see other nations becoming more cruel because they're eating these animals. We don't see that whatsoever, right? We don't see people that are eating pig that become weaker. And the Ramban seemed to indicate that, that the pig clearly is something bad for the body. Where right? he was a doctor, but we don't see that. It truly is Xeris Akasuv, and it's Sarachian why the Ramban had to explain it in such a weird fashion. That's how Rav Moshe comes out with it. Kedusha Slavi points out, that it could be the following. Moshe Rabbeinu would not drink any milk from any of the Egyptian ladies. Remember, Bissia was bringing, her, bringing him around to all these Egyptian ladies to nurse, but Moshe Rabbeinu, the baby, wouldn't take any because he said, my mouth is going to speak to the Shechina in the future, so how could I drink from a not-kosher woman's milk? Right, A woman who's drinking not-kosher, how could I drink from the milk from, that comes from that lady? Therefore, it could even be a psak, by the way, that we're not allowed to have milk from a non a lady that's not eating not kosher for that reason, but wet nurse from stuff like that, it, it, because we all have the possibility. He says, the Kedusha's Levi says, every single Jew will eventually speak to the Shechina and have Nivua. It says in Yol, Paragimel Pasigalaf, the Nibu Benechem of Nosechem, your sons and your daughters will all become Nivim. That's why every Jew has to be careful not to eat or drink anything Tameh, because if we're going to be those people like Moshe Rabbeinu, then we can't do that. And maybe that's why it says, Tell all the Jews to be careful about all the food that they're going to eat in Pasuk Aleph, because the Kaddish Baruch is going to speak to us, and therefore we shouldn't eat anything Tameh, to learn that from him. That's how the Kedusha's Levi says it. That's not an answer for the Ramban. It just happens to be another reason that's similar to the Ramban, why we wouldn't eat these birds, because the Kaddish Baruch knows we're going to speak to him in the future, and therefore we got to keep our mouths clean. As a side note, Rav Elia Lopian used to say that if somebody who can't hold back his taivas, such as this person who has to swallow the food while it's still in his hands, remember how he defined Doraces, taking it with its talons and swallowing it by its mouth, anything like that, that bird is Tame, a person that does the same as Tame. If you can't stop yourself from holding back your tabi, you have to throw it in your mouth, then you're a Tame person. That's how Ravelio Piano is to look at it. This is an interesting little line. Like parrots. Where they grab like, a nut or something, they like 
That's interesting, but they're not. They obviously they only do it like that. Yeah, a little type. It's not the same. I think it's an animal. It's got to be an animal. But whether parrots are kosher or not, we have no masilra, obviously, because all of them live in South America, right? Maybe Southeast Asia. There's a couple weird birds. The birds of paradise live in Southeast Asia, but all parrots and stuff like that, macaws, are from South America. No, none of them live in Australia. Birds of paradise and stuff like that. Right, African greys are. Oh, you're right. There are some weird types of parrots. The ugly ones. <laughs> those sure, live in Africa. Ones. Yeah, the the what the those are the those are the ugly ones. But all the good ones live in Brazil. You know, as a um, we said that the Rabbeinu Bakai gives another reason why we don't eat certain birds. We're gonna give like a couple other reasons. He says that Rosh Baruch always chooses the best animals, and he loves lowliness and humility as well as other good character traits. It's why only the turtle love and the pigeon can be brought as korbanos, and so too when it comes to you know sheep, goats, and cows, and everything like that. Right, they're the ones that are near. Duffin, they're chaste, and that's the reason why I bring those as carbonos. Same goes for eating them as well. That's the reason why bad and cruel person are often called by tummy bird names, like the general Orave who fought against the Jews and the against when they fought against Midian, right? Against uh, it was Gidon's war, right? His name was Orave. Various psukim in Yermia, the Tolchacha, and other places, tummy birds are the names for other nations. We are the kosher birds, and that's that. And that's the idea. Then oh, he adds another reason. He says. Only tummy birds are used for nichush and other magical properties and superstitions. I didn't know this. I had absolutely no idea. He says, apparently the more carnivorous a bird is, the more it can be relied on for nichush. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You have to look for a change in location or action, sometimes molting in its feathers, right? And then other things in that, that. Everyone knows, right, that these things can happen, molting and traveling and going from one place to the other, but not everyone knows what each action means, and that's called nichush. However, there's also sichas ofos, and that's what you mentioned with pigeons. There are sichas ofos, and that applies to tahor birds. That's a chachma, not a form of nichush, and therefore it's completely mutter. Right, so the Rabbeinu Bachaya says nichush superstition and magical properties can only happen with tummy birds, so but bird, can't be with that. Bird calling is a there is a chachma behind it, but only by the tahor birds. Where the elish. We're calling like the like the chirping thing or like Shlomo Melch who understood what the birds were saying. Siftsuf, which is yes, it's I think they're both the same. I think they, they both go together. Oh, the only Gemara that we have on it is a Gemara in Gitten, right? I think around Memchas, with Rev Elish who was in jail and he was with the daughters of Nachman, and a guy there was able to understand the birds. And when an Orave called out, he said, It's a tummy bird, we don't listen. And then when a Tahor bird called it out, he said, Okay, that's a Tahor bird, I can listen. And it was telling him to leave, so he got out of jail and he was able to escape. Very, very interesting. In Gemara that goes through, and that seems to be mutter. There is Sichas Ophos and Sukkah, Dafchav Chasam and Aleph, that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was an expert at. Apparently, that was a type of way, something taller that a person could do. The Tzrora Mor, the Rikinati mentions that as well. So that's a, second, a, a third reason. A fourth reason, the Tzrora Mor, he says, they're predators, they're dores, they have a poison in their talons. Now, we don't know what that means, but it says this about any animal that's dores, that they have poison in their claws. We've never seen this in science. We don't know biological what this refers to, but the likelihood is that it refers to the meat that they take within their claws, rots underneath their nails, or in something like that, and it becomes a type of poison to anything that they might get into. Yeah, I would assume it's some type of bacteria. It was never washed off, obviously, so that poison can kill. It could be something else entirely, and that Drisa is something else entirely. I don't know. 
scratch, clawed, right, and it gets into your bloodstream. It, it bloodstream. It makes sense, right? Therefore, they're considered tummy for us to eat since we're the Amkadosh. We shouldn't be eating such birds who have such t- tuma inside them. Again, it's a very strange cats thing to say, and I don't know. It's a, that's what that's what the Gemara goes into. Whether cats, dogs, and whatever Komodo dragons for sure have it, but Komodo dragons supposedly they've just found that they have actual poison glands. They have actual glands inside them that are poisonous. That's all they need. Like awesome. Walk it down until it dies of seven. Right, right. But everybody always thought that it was bacteria that was stuck inside their teeth that eventually gets injected within and that becomes the venom. Apparently there's something different. And truthfully, every snake has it as well. Just the constrictor snakes, their poison is not very poisonous. It doesn't hurt human beings and it doesn't hurt most animals. But it is, there is something there. They all have poison. There's something in every single well, like one the of them. Alligators They're finding. crocodiles have that same bacteria. They, they have a different type of bacteria, but they also spend all their time in water. So that makes it a little bit different and not as effective. But don't go near an alligator anyway or a crocodile. They're both, you know, bad creatures. Anyway, those are the four answers that we have as to why tummy birds are bad. The Kleoka says the word min, and when it says min, ha'ofus tomeim, sounds like some of the, only some of these birds are problematic, and that makes sense because the truth is, as we said before, the majority of birds are kosher, and only a few are not. The Gemara Chulun Daf Samach Beis on Beis. That's why the Psukim lists the tummy ones because listing the taller ones would take too long, right? This is because dirt is what forms animals, and air forms the birds. I think what he means is the following. If you look at a bone, the bone structure of any animal, it's very dense. The bones are very dense and very heavy, right? As opposed to the bone structure of a bird, the bones of a bird are extremely light, and therefore they might be considered made of air. Very light, like a regular eagle or a vulture that's like this huge vulture over there can weigh 10 pounds, 10 pounds. They're extremely light. Well, animals are obviously very, very dense and very muscular, etc. And that's the difference. If you're filled with dirt, then you're filled with tuma. If you're filled with air, you're more filled with tara. And that means that gashmias on the land causes more tummy animals to exist than, or tummy, you know, mammals and reptiles and whatever than tahor ones. While in the air, right, leads to tara and ruchnias, more tahor birds and tummy birds. That's the Kliakr's idea. And I think it makes a lot of sense. There's wording that's a little bit different. The Rabbeinu Bahaya says that we learn from these words as well. It's based on the Gemara that you should try to be as concise as possible in one's wording. The Gemara Pesachim in the very first part talks about this, but that's that. Yes, 100%. To be able to say it that so way. Is a bird considered a higher animal than a man? In a way, in a way, yeah, because they have more tahura. So yeah, tahara, I should say. But yeah, 100%. Rav Hirsch actually never translated any of these birds. He said mistranslating them could be terrible because these are the only birds that we're not allowed to eat. And if you mistranslate them, then you'll eat a bird, which is actually tame, thinking, oh, but this is referring to that. Even the nesher and the orev, which we normally colloquially say that a nesher is an eagle and an orev is a raisin, raven, I'm sorry, not a raisin, right? It's possible that both of those are 100% wrong, right? Based on the Gemara Kulin, it's not exactly so easy, right? So he says we shouldn't translate anything at all. But as you heard, I translate based on Ravari Kaplan. Where does it all come from? So again, although it's impossible to know what every bird is and what word we're referring to, the Ibn Ezra says the nesher is yadua. It's known. Even in Arabic, this bird is known as a nesher, and that seems to prove that it is what we think it is, and that is an eagle. That seems to be pretty obvious, since the two languages are similar, and we prove that the Ibn Ezra and the Radak and Rav Sadiagon often use Arabic to help explain some of the Hebrew words in the Torah. They say it that way. There are a few types of eagles in Eretz Israel, such as the white-tailed, spotted, and the short-toed eagles. There are eagles that are like that. Not huge, like the golden eagle, the bald eagle that we have in America, right? But there are these eagles, and there could have been others that existed back in the day. Either way, the Chizkuni also calls it an eagle. He then says that the word nesher comes from the word ashurenu, 
which means I can see from afar because the eagle, as we all know, has tremendous farsightedness and has the ability to see from very far away. It's not really a great proof because vultures have the exact same thing. But nonetheless, it's a good idea. That's the idea behind the Nesha. That's our first reason why it's called the Nesha. The Rokeach and the Balaturim says the Nesha is listed first because it is king of the birds. Gemar Chagig, Yud It's called the Nesha, a second reason, because it sheds its feathers. The Pasuk and Tehillim Kuf Gimel Hay says, Tishadesh Kaneshenu Reichi. In your youth, you can renew yourself like a, an eagle in its youth. And therefore, it renews itself, it sheds its feathers. The truth is, almost all birds shed their feathers and grow new ones underneath. They all molt and they all get some yeah, other stuff. So, gosling turning into an eagle. Like right, it's like everything. It, it's pretty obvious. This happens to everything. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. But I guess the Nesher had a special way of doing it, I guess. The Paneach Raza says... In Eov, there's words im el picha yigba nesher. The last letters of mem im el picha is melech. For that reason, that it's a melech. He suggests perhaps it's written in Sophie Tavis because it hints to the phoenix, which was the eagle that flew up to the sky and then renews itself by molting and then eventually coming back. The Rabbeinu Bachaya in Parsha says that's why it's called the Nesher, because those letters stand for Aish Ruach Nefila. Shin for Aish, Ruach is the Resh, and Nefila falling, because that's what happens to this bird every 10 years for 100 years. That's what happens to the eagle. Again, we don't see that. Rav Sadigon says the exact same thing. We don't know exactly what that refers to. That is the phoenix. The Jews are associated with the phoenix. We are. It's always supposed to be that way. And we are associated with the Nesher as well. We're going to see a little bit more. But yeah, there's something there. And I don't know exactly what it is. The Osnayim Latorah says another reason why the Nesher is listed first. Because it's the Rishon Latuma. It's the first when it comes to Tuma itself. And does not have even one Simen Tahara. Doesn't have one Simen of Tahara itself. It's a wonder that a bird like this is considered a king and is in great on the Kisya Kavod, right? But it is. It is on the Kisya Kavod. Yaros Devash and Drush Aleph Chilik Beis, uh, Chilik Beis Drush Aleph, he says, everything that's tummy on dry land is taller in the water. Everything that's tummy in the water is taller on dry land. So the Nesher on dry land is tummy. In the water, whatever the, equ- the equal of the Nesher in the water is, is tahor. And since Shamayim is water, just a different type of water, therefore the Nesher on the Kisya Kavod is the tahor Nesher, whatever that is. We have no idea what it is, but something that's a little bit different. So even though this eagle is going to be Tomei, that's that. Now, Yecheskel, right, in Yud Zayin Beis, describes this bird as having long wings and long talons and living a long time. All of those would apply to an eagle, obviously, right? Rashi says, partially Yisro, a good meat of the nature has, that it is always afraid of human beings, but it's not afraid of any other bird because it flies above every other bird. So instead of carrying its young in its talons, which every other bird does to stay away from eagles, it carries it, the, the of young on its back. So if an arrow gets shot from a person down below, it hits the bird and not the baby. So that's why it carries on its back. So that's a good meter that it has, right? Other birds are afraid of that, but they don't, they don't have to worry about stuff like that. Rashi also, also mentions Hazinu. A nesher doesn't just show up in its nest so that it scares the baby birds that are there. Instead, it makes noises by landing in trees nearby and spreads its wings so it can be noticed, and only then it goes to the nest. So because of that, it doesn't just suddenly appear. It knocks on the door, so to speak, before it goes in, and it doesn't crush them. It hovers a little bit above them in order for them not to get hurt. Tosus points out in Chul and Sama Gimel that our eagle does not fit the description of the way that the Gemara says it. The Gemara says that all three simane tuma right, apply to the eagle, that it doesn't have a crop, it doesn't have a peelable gizzard, and it doesn't have the extra finger. Our eagle has all three of those. So it's a little bit weird what exactly, I don't know about the gizzard, I forgot about the gizzard, but at least two of them all together. So that makes it a little bit hard to say that the nesher, which has the three simani tuma, 
is the one that's referred to over here. Additionally, Micha in Aleph Tazayin calls it bald. Eov Lamatezkov Zayin says that it eats dead animals on the ground. Now, eagles will do that, but it definitely sounds like a vulture. Now, there is a vulture, the griffin vulture, the largest carnivorous bird in Israel, is clearly something that it could refer to with a huge wingspan of almost 10 feet, bigger than any eagle in Eretz Yisrael. It's possible that that's a reference to it. And the griffin vulture does kind of look like an eagle. It looks like a big eagle. It's huge, and it doesn't look like those weird-looking, weird eagles. The problem is, it's not exactly bald either. But the truth is, the bald eagle is not bald. It has white hair all around it, so it looks like it's bald. Maybe there's something else that we're missing over here, right? That when it says that it doesn't have any hair, any feathers on it, it means something else. The Chiskuni goes on. He says the Paris is something called Ashkulfa. And because it spreads its wings, right, it spreads its wings. It's called Ephros Eskapi. I spread my, my arms. That's the Asafraj, or the bearded vulture, which is how the King James Bible translates the word. It says that as well. Its Latin name means bone breaker. That's because its beak is strong enough to break bones when it eats. And that's what it does. It's a type of vulture that does eat carrion. So if Sadigon, Ibn Yanach, and the Radak all say the same, they call it by its Arabic name of Akav. This is the largest European bird of prey. It's not really found in Eretz Yisrael, but it could have been back in the day, right? And it was found from the Pyrenees to India all the way back in the day. Ravari Kaplan says the same. It does live in Eretz Yisrael, so I would go with that. So again, that's the Asafraj, which is the bearded vulture. No, it does not migrate. But again, the, the, the where these birds used to live may have differed a a hundred years ago, let alone a thousand years ago or three thousand years ago. So it's possible the bearded vulture was there. It's a beautiful animal, by the way. Beautiful orange feathers with a black body. It's a really, really good-looking bird. The Ibn Ezra says, Osnia is sometimes translated as a bird that doesn't appear in civilized areas. And the Gon, Rifsadi Gon, translated as Alanka, which is exactly what the Chiskuni said for the Paris, the bearded vulture. Seems to be a mistake over here. I'm not sure if the Ibn Ezra was in some place or it's mistranslated in certain places. I don't know. But each one is saying, I, I'm not sure exactly. He goes on and he says, it's not like this bird doesn't exist because the Torah wouldn't answer something that doesn't exist. It must have been that there were people back then that said that there was a fake bird that was thought of but didn't really exist and they thought it was this. I have absolutely no idea. It's a weird thing over here. Anyway, the Chiskuni calls it Orfrish. And Orfrish is an osprey. An osprey is another, you know, uh, another bird just like the eagle and the a hawk, really. It looks like a hawk, but it catches a lot of fish. It's a big fish-eating bird. That's what it's supposed to be. And the reason why it's called this is because it's brazen and stiff-necked. And thus the word oznia applies to it. And Kalem Yudzayin Yadala, they used to make dusters from its wings. It lives far away from people who lose on face. And Talmud told us Yitzchak adds on it could be the albatross. I have no idea how it could be the albatross, but... I guess it could be an albatross. But Valley Kaplan wonders if it's a black vulture. And again, it would mean that all three of them would technically be vultures. It would be the griffin vulture. You'd have the, what's it called? The, um, the bearded vulture. And then the black vulture for all three of them. For the Nesher Ozzini and the Paris. What's that? That's an osprey? In Israel, in the Kula Valley. The bird of prey is sitting on a post. I can't really see it. I know, it's on a, it had yeah. a trick telescope. Not good enough to be able to go through. But, but it could be an osprey, that, that, because it's brown together with yeah, everything else. It's the white. The yeah, and there are other ex- interesting explanations, such as those who say that it's an ostrich. 
that eats glass and iron pieces, according to the Ralbag. The Ralbag calls it an actual ostrich. But I, I, I don't know how it could possibly be an ostrich. That would be against everything else we have here. I don't know if they've ever found bones of ostriches in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe they eventually made it up there, but I, I would find it almost impossible just because the Nile River kind of would have cut them off and they... They had no boats. Ostriches normally didn't have any boats. Unless there was a zoo that brought it from one place to the other, there was a huge mountain range that went through into Ethiopia and a huge river and then the Sahara Desert that would block all ostriches from Eretz Yisrael. Does it fly? No, in general. It doesn't say. There's nothing. We got no other description other than what Chazal given. Chazal gave basically nothing. It's basically only the Rishonim. Right, so we got almost nothing. Doesn't say that it's huge and it doesn't fly. No, that would be an obvious thing. Basiano is probably it. We'll talk about that. Look, because it's referred to the eggs. We're not talking about today, just in the future. The shot says each one of these birds refers to Deus Kozavos and Munos Ros, bad things that we have to stay away from, like bad mindsets that we have to stay away from. The Nesha means we shouldn't be like a tree that sheds its leaves, no share Perosov, who gets upset about mitzvos that he has done and throws them away from himself, that he feels like he wasted his life doing all this stuff. I can't believe I wasted my life. That's what a Nesha refers to. Peres means he shouldn't do his Avodah Hashem al-menas l'kabel pras in order to get a reward, right? Because that shows he doesn't truly love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Someone who expects a reward doesn't recognize all the goodness that Hashem did for him all the way up until now, right? He just thinks, right, I deserve more, I deserve more. You received way more than you should have gotten, and yet you got what you ended up having. You expect more? He says that person who's expecting a paras, that's a parrot, that's a bad amuna. That's a bad thing to have. Oznia is a person who should never say, it's my own power and my own stuff, my own strength that allowed me to have these things. It's like ozni. It's my power. I don't know where the knee comes in to play over here, right? Aside from being the line, you know, the knights who say knee. Aside from that, I have no idea what else that, that would possibly mean. Anyway, he's being kofar and everything that Kodesh Baruch was giving him. He goes on and on about all the birds over here, but these three specifically. Sora Moore says each one of these birds represents one of the kingdoms. The Nesher is Yavon. Alexander the Great flew down from the north uh, to destroy the lands around him. In fact, there's a Medrash Aseris Malachim. It's in Eisenstein, page 461, as well as Bamidbar Rabbah, that says that Alexander wanted to visit the heavens, Alexander the Great. So he created a bed of sorts and tied it to two eagles, forcing them to go upwards using meat that he raised above them. You know, like the carrot in front of the, the donkey. I don't even know what that's called, like bait? I, I don't even know what that is. But like, they went up. Alexander was then able to see the world as a ball. And he knew the earth was round, going very high above the earth. Obviously, couldn't go too high. The birds wouldn't have taken him past the atmosphere. But that's what he did with the Nesher itself. So it makes sense that Alexander the Great was known as a Nesher. It's also awesome because this is another Medrash that proves that the world is round. It's on my list of 12 things that I know that the world is round. That's an awesome one over there. What year was that Medrash? Oh, the Medrash? I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. Eisenstein doesn't do years in Madrasham, I don't think. I'd have to check it out. But if anything, it's from the times of the, the Gonin, at least. For sure not after 1492. That okay. I can tell you. Right? That for sure not. Um, that's that. Paris, Paras, is obviously Persia. Right? If Nesher is Yavan, Paras is Persia. So this bird is only found in that area, apparently. Which makes sense if it's the, what's it called? The uh, the bone breaker, the bearded vulture. Because it technically isn't found in its straw. But that would be interesting. And Osnia refers to Edom. A very brazen, right? And strong nation. As hard as iron. And that's Osnia. Bavel is referred to Ayan Daya. That's the next pasuk. It's a lost nation, whatever. But it's a different thing altogether. That's that. And what we're going to end with is another remnant that's brought by the Otsur Plosa Torah. I can't believe I found this. It's based on Yerushalmi and Brachos, Beis Dalet, Yerushalmi Brachos. It says that Shmuel said during davening that he would count baby birds. 
very strange Yerushalmi. The truth is, when I did the Yerushalmi, I looked at it and I was like, I'm not understanding it well. And I just went on. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. That he would count baby birds as he was davening. And the question he asked is obvious. How could Shmuel break his kavana in the middle of davening to count baby birds that were in a nest in front of him? What exactly was he doing in his davening? Where was he davening? That he was seeing such a thing, a nest of baby birds in front of him. Rabbi Yeshua Haller, Haller, Hiller, I don't know. But an Av Bezin of Tells Machaber, the Safer based Fila, suggested that the 19 brachos of Shimona Esrei are connected to the 19 Tomei birds in this parsha. And he says that every bracha corresponds to one of one of those one of those birds. And he says the following: the first three brachos refer to the first three brachos of Shemona Esrei, right? The first three birds are the first three brachos of Shemona Esrei. Avos and Kedusha. He says the following: he says the Nesher, as we just said before from Rashi, protects its young, and that connects him with the bracha of Magain Avraham, the protector of all of his children, of Avraham's children, which is super under, uh, unbelievable. The Oznia is known for brazenness, which is a form... What's the connection between... Why would you want the Tomei birds to correspond? I don't know. That I don't know. He says everything in the Torah has a reason for something. And he goes on. But I didn't see the book. I could only see what the Oser Plos, Torah, what they quoted. And I have no idea where to even I mean, find yeah. the safer. I'm sure if I had the, the you know, the Oser, you know, whatever the it is. Mida of the bird? Or is it, in, or is it like reinforcing... The good meat of yeah, the that there's something good behind it and grabbing something good behind it. Like obviously the chasida has does chesed, right? The rachama does racham, right? There's something that each bird has, but their their midos rows outweigh their midos sovas, and that's why we don't need it. The second one is uh, oznia, brazen. Brazenness is a form of gevura, and that's perfect for Yitzchak Avinu, the meat of Yitzchak Avinu, and that's the second bracha of gevuros, right? The third one, paras, is the lotion of mamutza. Paras means to split something down the middle, like this is something right in the middle. And the third bracha of Kedusha is for Yaakov, which we know is the combination between Yira and Ava, Tferis being a combination of them both, right? And that's the idea behind it, that Rachamim that goes together. And he says that that's how it goes throughout all the birds. So although we only mentioned that first Pasuk over here, it's quite an amazing thing. We'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos and a great rest of Pesach.